It's been stated that 70% of South African pro footballers end up in financial distress post-retirement. It's clear that SA footballers and possibly other elite sports people have a troublesome relationship with money despite being substantial earners. In this episode, Bruce speaks to former pro footballer Jonathan Armagan about the poor financial education prevalent and the major changes required in heart, soul and mind. Or debt and poverty will remain the narrative. It's AJ here from Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. Catch us on all your social and podcast apps and give us a punt. Search for the Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. The Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. Well, I'm delighted to have with me today a friend, a brother in Christ, someone I've had the privilege of knowing for, Johnny, I actually think it's 13 years this month that we first met. And uh, you were a young professional footballer at the time. You're now a young teacher, Mm. but we'll come to that later. But one of the reasons we we decided to get together, I thought it'd be really good to have you in the room, is we want today to talk about money. Um, our money and sport um, and my question today is where's the money gone um, why is it that so many sports people have money problems and what could be done about it and of course we we can't answer all of those questions but I know that you have insights from your own experiences in your own life what you've observed and also what you've learned since which I think are going to be a great benefit to those who listen today but before we take the deep dive into that conversation just tell us a little bit more about Johnny Armagan because I've known you for a long time but many people listening to this won't know who you are give us a little bit background to Johnny and his story Wow, our 13-year anniversary, Bruce. Happy anniversary. Hey, where's the flowers? <laughs> where's the flowers and the chocolates? Wow, 13 years. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, no, like Bruce said, a good friend. We are good friends, brothers in Christ. A very important topic. I think money, where's the money gone? So just briefly on my story. Um, yes, um, I grew up in a Christian home sort of rebelled against God and Christianity and became a professional footballer, went my own way for about seven years, went my own way, uh, made my own choices, left God out of the equation. And those seven years, uh, I'll use this quote that I've used before with you, Bruce, is it was almost like I was burning up money. Mm. I think it's an apt quote. Um, The decisions I was making, the choices I was making, um, I was spending money as literally I could have been taking a lighter or match and burning it up. That's how it was for the past seven years. Yeah, I was parting. I was um, spending money responsibly, not making the right choices. I don't think having the ability, I think if I think look back now, not I didn't have the ability to make the right choices. I didn't have the power. I didn't have the 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 thinking of the right mindset. Um, well, I wasn't empowered to make those right choices, I think. And that led me down a... a and, and, and yeah, and I think, you know, when we've talked about this before, there were other underlying issues because you were looking to to football to to fill a a, a God spaced hole in your life, and it wasn't fulfilling that. And 
and then you use your money in a, in a way to try and gain friends to get be a source of identity. I mean, would that have been a true for you, you think? Absolutely. Um, I think football became my God, mm. um, but it couldn't fill that, like you said, that God-filled cavity yeah. that only you could fill. Mm. And uh, it's like that empty, like that well that you can never fill. So I was trying to fill it with loads of things yeah um partying drinking i actually became um my dad would describe it as something called and as the thing a weekend alcoholic mm. um, yeah so i couldn't stop yeah. drinking couldn't stop smoking did recreational drugs and that all affected my life holistically yeah including your football absolutely and my money <laughs> yeah which you were, like you said you were burning Right, you may as well just throw it in the fire. But of course, I bet you had friends, right? No, I had loads of friends. I had loads of friends. And I, 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 I want to be very careful with this because I had a sure. good bunch of friends. I had a good bunch of friends yeah. that were our sort of circle. And I think as much as they influenced me, I influenced them. So I did have, if, if I'm looking at my core group of friends I had, and we influenced each other negatively. But I think there was also friends that, come into your life just because you're a footballer yeah uh, yeah yeah they they want you because of 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 who you are what you do and maybe what they feel you might possess which is which is cash which yeah. you spend on partying yeah so of course they're going to be your friends yeah if they only knew in south african football <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they all have the greatest they, paycheck they, yeah they all think that you're you're on a million rand a month right <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah it's like it's not even that a year okay yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> So, I mean, that gives us a good background. But what, what actually happened to you? Because I think, you know, you know, your faith story in, in the middle of all of this is is interesting. What happened to Johnny that changed the narrative? So I'm grateful to my parents. They set the benchmark. They set the standard. They showed me they showed me what was um, what God could do. So I knew there was always something to go back to. I had that sort of reference. Yeah. And I'm grateful, to the, I'm grateful to them for that because, I mean... Um, many homes do not have that reference mm. so I knew I was partying but I knew there was a reference looking at their lives and yeah as, I was at the point where I couldn't stop drinking started a business um, I was just walking in here and thinking about that business which has happened to be in Musenberg but I started that as a it was reactionary to where I was um, Santos was not going to renew my contract so I needed to start something that was also reactionary I think so it wasn't a good de good business decision that failed and I came to a point in my life where I cried out I needed Jesus um, I actually went into my room um, remember I couldn't stop drinking I couldn't stop partying and I needed him to do something immediate and that's what he did I felt mm -hmm. that day I felt hands reach into me and take out something and that craving and that urge to drink was gone wow so that was a that was very powerful, and then God started putting things in place. Um, we met because um, I didn't have an understanding about football and how God could impact your career. I wants to impact your football. That gave me a bit of understanding, which was awesome. God introduced me to my wife and um, different people and different uh, yeah people along the way that just sort of helped me 
be where I am right now, which is teaching at Livingston. Shout out to Livingston High School. I hope you don't mind, Bruce. <laughs> they're all gonna listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all gonna listen. Livingston High School. So I'm teaching there for the past two years. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> and uh, maybe one day we'll 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 have a conversation about life after football. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's good to know that there is, and you're fulfilling a, a vocation and a calling in that role, which is really important to the young people in our communities. But uh, you know, a c- couple of things. I think Johnny. I think the first one. I think it's important to say that not everybody who has a form of addiction, yeah, a weekend alcoholic, if you like, um, gets that instant kick. You know, many people need to go through rehabilitation and and support, which will enable them to come through the other side. But God, in His mercy and grace, obviously decided that you know that's what you needed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in no way do I want to make it sound like for some people it's a process. I was having this exact conversation the other day. Yeah. For some people, it needs to be a process. God knew I was too weak yeah. for it to be a process. So he needed to intervene there. For yeah. others that are stronger, it's a process. They yeah. get weaned off it. And their journey, my journey is not more important than theirs, but for me, I needed yeah. it to be immediate. Yeah. And, and you know, not, not only do you receive salvation um, and God restores your life, uh, but he also restores your career. And uh, we, we won't track that much now, but you were at rock bottom, NFD, struggling to get in the side, overweight. But you find yourself very soon fit again because you're living healthily uh, and back in the PSL. And the um, um, incredible thing is eventually find yourself back at Santos, don't you? Uh, so even though you'd kind of uh, burn their money as well, they knew a change had taken place in your life. So God really restored, didn't he? Restored um, many times over what, what, had, what had been lost in, in, in your life. Yeah. But I've got to say this, Johnny, because, you know, I, I was a part of your journey at that point. But meeting you was actually a catalyst for me. And that's not what this podcast is about. But But actually, if I'd never met you, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now because through you... I was introduced to other pro players, and if you like, God enlarged my territory. I eventually end up being chaplain at Ajax. We founded Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. I'm now Stellenbosch. These podcasts have started. We've produced the Call Up Prayer book, and the catalyst for that was meeting you. And um, in some ways, you know, sitting here right now, I am so thankful. The world needs to hear this because. Every time I think of you, Johnny, I feel like the Apostle Paul guy, and every time I think of you when he writes to the Philippians, I give thanks, yeah. you know, and that's genuinely how, how I feel about you. Um, so 13 years, bit of a bromance, flowers and chocolates, it's worth celebrating. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. But the heart of our story today, you know, is talking about money. And in sports chaplaincy, you know, we often talk about the four Ds. We talk about divorce, dependency, you know, that can be on drugs, alcohol, gambling, etc. We talk about depression. Uh, there's increasing awareness now of mental health issues, um, particularly in terms of how it impacts sports people. And then debt. Uh, and that's the heart of our conversation today. But why do you think we hear so many stories about sports people experiencing financial difficulties, even ones who earn huge sums of money? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's many factors. I think the love of money... Mm-hmm. is a factor I was going to say this at the end but I think we are meant to boss money we're meant to use money but money mm-hmm. ends up using us brilliant yeah um, so those things those factors love of money greed um, hoarding I think that mm-hmm. was an issue for me in my first year I saved a lot of money but 
I was just comfortable with hoarding it mm. um, and just having it, just being there with doing nothing for me really. Mm. Um, what else? I think family, very, very important. I think family structures are important. I think those are, that's one of the factors that you're the only footballer in the family that makes it. And what does that mean for the rest of the family? Because mm. as right, like you said earlier, people have this idea that you're going to earn millions, but that's not the case. Yeah. So now the family has a certain expectation and you carry that burden or their expectations. You carry that burden. It's not a wrong thing because you want to take care of the family. You're the one that made it. Yeah. The stories that I've heard where people actually, if the f- person becomes a footballer, that the rest of the family says, I'm stopping, I'm done working. So yeah. we're relying on that person now. Oh, but, I've heard that, not just in football. Okay. I've heard that in cricket. I've heard that wow. in rugby. I've, I've, I've heard that in a number of spaces. The, the, the family members will feel that they no longer have wow. a responsibility because wow. this perceived to be successful, high-earning individual yeah. is going to now look after that's, them. That's so interesting. I didn't, coming up here, I didn't think that would happen in rugby and cricket, but that's so interesting. Yeah. So family expectation um, is definitely a factor that I think um, contributes to that. We talked um the right people, Craig Bellamy's story, having the right people around you, yeah. um, people you can trust. I think let's just let's just stop there because you mentioned Craig Bellamy, and some mm. people go, "Well, what's what's that all about?" Actually, this was a catalyst for for this conversation. Yeah. You, a number of months ago, you posted on Facebook, mm. and and it sort of jumped out. I mean, Craig Bellamy is a, a a former English Premier League footballer, played. Seventy times for Wales, played for clubs like Newcastle, West Ham, Man City, you know. So he was at some some big clubs, and you know it's really interesting. He didn't gamble, mm. he didn't drink, he didn't party, mm. you know, um, and yet he ran out of money. Mm. Um, I mean, he, he he basically says this: if you get the wrong people advising you, it all hemorrhages, it all dwindles. Um, I'm going to quote him here for this is an article in the the Daily Mirror in the UK it says he got to the point where bankruptcy is a relief it means I can just live again I know some people will probably think I've squandered all my money on drinking or gambling or drugs and he says I haven't um, I can go I can go quiet when you don't hear from me but I won't be down the pub I've never touched drugs since I was a young kid I don't gamble I've never gambled it doesn't make any sense to me but I have gambled, this is the killer line, but I have gambled on people, unfortunately. Sure. That's crazy. I mean, this guy would have earned... Millions. Millions of pounds times that by 20. Sure. So a pound times it by 20. Mm -hmm. That gives you some idea. This guy has earned a lot of money Mm -hmm. and he was declared bankrupt just just three years ago. And, I mean, his story is so interesting when I read it um, that all those things jumped out at me um, because... He wasn't on drugs. He didn't drink. He didn't gamble. He was living responsibly. Yeah. And yet this issue or this struggle, this challenge now posed itself to him or in his life. And I think in a South African context where he would have been earning millions, and this is something that I thought about, everybody's situation is different. Yeah. So I think what we want to try and do or we want to try and do in this podcast is sort of create a broader view yeah. so that where do I fit in as a footballer? Yeah. So everybody's, I didn't struggle with the family expectation. Yeah. You know, I didn't struggle. I struggled with other things. Craig Bellamy struggling with this and... He's struggling with the fact that he's trusted people somebody to invest his money. Correct. Not knowing really what's going on with it mm. and they've lost it all. Sure. And I think 
one of the things that I wrote or that jumped out, one of the things that I wrote on Facebook, I said, we don't empower ourselves. Mm. We don't. We don't empower ourselves. We we don't we don't do the the groundwork of trying to find out what does this mean when I buy a house. What does this mean? What are the rules around it? When I invest, what is the interest rate? What is the fine print? We don't do that. And I think in football, there's sort of you you sort of in a bubble. You're sort of in this bubble where everything is being done for you. And yeah. you don't necessarily feel that you need to take that step up to take sort of your destiny into your own hands. And Craig Bellamy touches upon this. Yeah. And he says, I was brought up in a generation of footballers where everything was done for you. Well, I think it's probably even worse now in England. Mm. And I think that's true here. The number of times I hear players say to me, my agent is going to deal with that. Now, your agent might be a really good person, mm. but actually you're trusting them with everything. Mm. Right without having any knowledge. Mm. Now, we can't be experts in everything. We can't be all experts in finance. I can't be an expert in plumbing and electrician Mm. and car maintenance and house construction. I can't be an expert in everything, Mm. but I can empower myself when it Mm. comes to money with a baseline knowledge Mm. of of purchasing a house, investment, saving, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what he's saying here is I basically abdicated any responsibility and trusted others with it. And I think, why do we do that? Why do we do that as footballers? And I was thinking driving up here that we touched upon something earlier where I made football my God. And there's such an interesting scripture that says, what will it profit you to gain the whole world but mm. lose your soul? Now, I think when it talks about your soul, I think including that is your thinking, how you think, how are you empowered, your self-worth, um, are you going to step up? Do you, you know, um, taking your destiny into your own hands and I think what football sort of does or the culture sort of does or what it promotes, it promotes sit back i'm just this one dimensional person i'll focus on my football yeah i'll focus on and that's become that's the it. rhetoric that's the narrative no I was, I was i was born to play football um i'm just gonna focus on what i'm supposed to and is that something that's sort of opening up doors for um exploitation yeah. in the industry yeah and i think it is i think yeah. it does because you're not taking control of your own life because you you heard this all the time just focus on the football just focus on the football and we we're so we varied we multi-dimensional yeah. people and we are meant to explore other gifts 100 percent we are mm. yeah and we and, and you're right you know we limit ourselves of course we have areas of strength mm. and of course there are areas of our lives i've got to i've got to trust a doctor when i go to of a doctor course. yeah you know um you know there are areas in our lives where we do need to entrust ourselves but i think what you're talking about is is the importance of of, of taking some agency mm-hmm. of empowering and equipping yourself with a baseline of knowledge mm-hmm. you know in an area that is so important mm-hmm. and um so that, that that probably brings another brings in another issue here it's not just um about empowering yourself but who are you trusting correct you know who's in your who's who's in your circle yeah, it was in your corner. And I mean, that, I think that is something we spoke about, that God brings people into your corner, mm-hmm. identifying, because there's so much in the industry, there's so much people that want to be around you. And the issue, and this is something that I struggled with, is I wanted everyone to like me. Yes. 
So if I'm going to stand up for myself and say, look, I don't really enjoy or I'm not really sure I don't really enjoy what you're doing right now. We don't want to do that. So we just, we're not sure. They won't like me if I stand up. Correct. So we just surround ourselves with everybody, but that means you don't know who you can trust. You don't have a circle that I can trust this person with this. I can trust this person with that. So it is important, but I think those, that decision making. Yeah. So, you know, we touched upon Craig Bellamy's story, looked at family dynamics, background, education, um, but actually there are unique challenges, aren't there, in the South African context. And, you know, I know that you've you've observed this, but I also know you've thought very deeply about it. And we can't avoid the fact that actually our past, our traumaed past, mm. shapes where we are now. The majority of our sports people in South Africa, particularly in, in football, but also increasingly in rugby, are coming from communities and from backgrounds that still bear the scars mm-hmm. of our colonial and apartheid past. Mm. And I know that you have some insights and wisdom around that. How do you think that impacts the issue we're talking about here? Yeah, so I think our past is something I do think about deeply. I mean, it's something that's affected me deeply. And I do think our past and, you know, the apartheid regime and colonialism, how it's affected how it's affected people of color specifically is that it's taught you to sort of have a station. You have a station in life. Yeah. You have the station in life and this is where you're going to be. I think God changes that. Mm. I do think, and I've seen him change it, change it in uh, my parents' life. I've seen how he's changed in my life. I've seen how he's changed it. Um, but it does teach you have the station in life. So now if you have that sort of thinking that this is my station in life, you don't think bigger you don't think you don't even think you're worthy of having bigger Mm. (laughs) or you don't think you're worthy of Mm. having more so i think in that sense um it definitely does affect opportunities how much you reach out um whether i want better for myself or not i think it affects that i do also think that it's restricted opportunities so there has been a restriction of opportunities we all know the past we all know what's happened So what happens is when we find ourselves in these in our communities, we're sort of fighting for these little resources. Yeah. So we end up fighting for these little do you want to interject? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> you no, can. no. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm fully <laughs> attentive. I've got nothing to add no, to what you're saying at the moment. Anytime. <laughs> you um, you sort of end up fighting for these resources, um, and that creates unhealthy competition. And you think this. You, this is this is what this is the only thing that there is for me, and then God steps in and says, "Yeah, welcome to my kingdom. There is much more." Yeah, but I do want to say that our past definitely affects where we find ourselves, and I think it's important to recognize that so that we end up having closure. Yes, and we yes. end up seeing the system for what it is because the system currently is not creating opportunities mm. the system currently is not um you know and that- dare we and dare we say that one of the, the 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 really sad things is that um sport is seen as the only way out and of course it it, it so few people can make a living and certainly a sustainable living that will see them beyond their careers out of high performance sport mm. because 
how many footballers are there? How many rugby players are there? How many cricketers are there? How many people can actually make a um, serious living out of sport? And yet we're constantly being told Mm. that that's the way out. So we've got millions of kids here, nothing wrong with having dreams, Mm. but thinking that sport is the way out. And the only way out. And the only way out uh, for the reasons you make, because opportunities are so limited. Yeah. And what I'm seeing in the industry, what I've seen it in my time, what I'm seeing now is that the industry sort of uses that intentionally or unintentionally to exploit you. Well, also, so, if you come from a family where, where, where the income is 60, 70, 80,000 a month, then you have different expectations where, uh, than if your family's being lived off a Sassel grant. You know, if you've been living on a, off, um, off, off minimum wage or, you know, you only had one family member working, you know, and there's 10 of you. Yeah. Um, and so, so 5,000 rand or 10,000 rand suddenly feels like a lot. a lot of money and it's not a lot of money. Mm. And um, you continue to have that, that hand-to-mouth sort of sort of mentality yep. is would that be would, do you think that's a fair fair definitely, reflection definitely a fair reflection and if you don't come to a point where you realize this i think it ties in with what we said earlier yeah. you never become empowered yeah so if you don't see see it for what it is you sort of just and this happened to me you sort of just go through life saying no i deserve this this is my station in life this is not supposed to happen I'm not supposed to want and, and I've said and I and I've certainly heard stories here of of players who are brought in from from other parts of the world mm-hmm. who'll be on four or five times as much as the local player at the same club yeah. and they're no better absolutely you know but does that player actually know their worth could he you know that player knows he's worth yep what he's worth mm. because of where he's come from mm. but but sometimes that local player doesn't and Good. partly because of partly because your background and mm-hmm. and and circumstances, really interesting conversation. Is there mm-hmm. anything else you want to add to that? That just, um, I think <clears throat> it is deeper than we think. So, like for aspiring players and players out there, and even families, it is a really deep thing. I, when I look at the Bible, I think God made this clear to me when the Israelites came. I'll give some context mm-hmm. when He brought them out of. Of Egypt, out of slavery, out of slavery into now he's going to give them the promised land. He's going to give them an inheritance. They stopped at the place, and God said, "Stop here, and I'm going to take this." Paraphrasing, I'm going to take this reproach off you. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. He took the reproach, and that has to take. He has to take that off you. So now when it's taken off, and I know a lot of these players, I'm speaking directly to players of you know, mine, that we, we look at, you know, the um, posit- this, the new philosophy, be positive. Yeah. Motivation is everything. Um, you know, just go the extra mile, which is good. It's good, but motivation is going to last you. It's going to last you if that for 20 minutes. Something has to be taken off us. It doesn't lead to, you mentioned the soul early on, it doesn't yeah. lead to that deep yes. soul, heart, yeah. change that renewal of mind mm. that actually leads to lasting transformation lasting and um multiple multiplicity mm. i think at least lasting and you continue being multiplied so that reproach it's such a deep thing that we don't understand that so i'm so um interested and in, i think deeply about it it's something that has to be taken off us so That's that powerful. we can walk in 
the freedom that he wants us to walk in and That's that so i believe impacts every single part of our life including money and uh, i i i i don't want to go down this avenue yeah. for too long <laughs> but i think actually the exodus story really does need to inform the narrative of of our communities particularly our faith mm. our christian faith communities i don't think we draw on it enough i think the african-american church has okay. but i'm not sure we have in south africa in the same way drawn on that experience of holistic liberation mm. it was economic it was physical it was psychological oh. it was spiritual oh. Yeah, and what you've described yeah. there is all of those yep. things. Yep. Yeah, and uh, but that's maybe a, a Bible study of yeah. reflection for another time. <laughs> but what do you think we need to do to change the narrative around this issue in in terms of this? The, the overall story is is not always a good one, as we said. Debt, yeah. poverty, yeah. etc., continue to be the narrative for many of our sports people, including the ones who've owned. What do you think we need to do to change the narrative? So I think I think the system definitely needs to change. I think we have to start, especially in the industry we're focusing on soccer, but I think every industry within a South African context will experience similar challenges. Yeah. So I think the industry does need to value players more. So there needs to be a responsibility from the industry side in terms of minimum wage. Um, I do think... Um, organizations need to step up organizations like players union they mm. do need to step up and you know mm. take this take this forward but there does need to be sort of things put in place and there needs to be more education surely absolutely there needs to be more education around this I, 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 from a club's point of view yeah. I would say or just in the industry point yeah. of view there needs to be more we need to promote education more there needs to be a more yeah. prom uh, promotion of education, yeah. um, skills development. Yeah. There, there needs to be that. In the absence of that, because when I do look at when I do look at how Jesus walked, I don't think Jesus was trying to change. He didn't change whole systems, but he used people, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, yes, we understand the system has a huge, huge responsibility, but we've also seen our systems fail. Yeah. And we've seen how they fail throughout history. Yeah. So what what do we do? What do how do you change the narrative? And when thinking about this, I think people that's involved in football, the way you're involved in football, the way I'm involved in football, those that do have a personal relationship with Christ, I think our lives definitely need to show Jesus, firstly. Mm -hmm. Our lives definitely need to show Jesus, show the change that's mm -hmm. happening or that's happening in our own lives and when we used to have bible studies together um all those many years 12 11 12 years ago and i think about it i think how many people's lives did we touch mm. and yes we can we can definitely say absolutely education is important but you're right because mm. um you know, the, the most educated society in the 1930s, without a shadow of a doubt, was Germany. Yeah. And where did that story go? It sure. slid, slid into Nazism. Yeah. So education is important. Mm. But if the person's heart, soul and mind has not been transformed, mm. then, then that education of itself mm. is not going to lead to the positive change that we want to see. So I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. We want to see our systems renewed, yeah. but in the end, 
it's 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 lives that have been transformed mm-hmm. by the gospel mm-hmm. that actually can make that change. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you're right. Wow. So one big message about money and mani- money money and management of money. What would it be? Um, I think there's so much. I think, but I'm going to get yeah, one yeah. big message. Come on, I know. I'm going to say. I'm going to say. This is my dad's favorite um, scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that scripture in itself, when it comes to life, it affects everything about money. So we're going to go through different seasons where one season you're going to have to be content. Mm-hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and mm-hmm. all those will be added to you. Maybe God wants to add contentness to you. Yeah. Then there's another season that you're going to go through where he's going to teach you how to be disciplined with money at that point. Then there's going to be a season that you're going to go through where you're going to, he's going to teach you about how to give and oh, how to, I'm not going to say splurge, I'm going to say how to want nice things and spoil yourself because you work on well, it. Well, in the, in the Jewish calendar, there's feasting and fasting. Good. So so feasting is, is also part of, part, part of good stewardship. This is a big thing for me to get over, which I believe God taught me, was that... He, you are worthy of nice things. <laughs> you are. So seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness yeah, and all those things. Feasting and fasting. Added. There's a place for celebration. Correct. There's, you're going to go through a season in your life where you're not going to think you're valuable. You're not going to think you're worth it. But he does. And mm. he's going to teach you. You're going, to settle. Really you're going to settle for something. I want more for you. Mm. Seek you first the kingdom of God and yeah. his righteousness and all those things will be added. So I think the biggest lesson for me, um, the biggest lesson, the one big message is when we do seek after God and we do walk this journey with him, we do see money the way he sees money. I think it starts, he takes us through those seasons. Educationally, I think for me, it's a big thing. I, I didn't want to become a teacher. I, it wasn't on my radar. I didn't want to. I spoke in this week somewhere and I asked how many of you want to become teachers? And they said no. But I said no, you're correct. It's not a glamorous occupation. But I said I have more influence now. I've, I'm more successful now in this part of my life than I was 15 years playing professional football. And we know what comes with that. But I feel I, I, I'm in a better space, much That's better space. That's the reversal so, that God's kingdom brings. Because the world says this is where you will have influence and impact because you've got a profile. Um, And actually, God says, no, I I do a lot of my best work through ordinary people in the hidden spaces. Mm. Um, But maybe that's a podcast for the other day because, you know, one of my big bugbears is that um, the the church can be really guilty of one jumping over celebrity. Of course. and and wanting to use sports people mm. or musicians who are successful and mm. platform them uh, as if God can't use anybody to mm. bring people into his kingdom. So yeah. so that's great to hear. Um it's been wonderful to watch your journey. It's been wonderful to to hear you share some real nuggets of gold. Yeah. And I'm sure people who listen to this will will draw um things from it that will help them um on their journeys. Johnny Armagan The bromance isn't over. Love you to bits, fella. Thank you for joining us on the Call Up podcast. Yeah, I love you too, Bruce. Just want to say thank you um, for inviting me. Thank you, I think, for exhibiting um, those qualities that God can use ordinary people. And uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. 
You don't have to be scoring a winning <laughs> goal, which you did at the FMB yeah, Stadium yeah. in 2010 yeah. against Kaiser Chiefs yeah. for Vasco da Gama, right? To yeah. actually do something that matters in the kingdom of God. Yeah, and really thank you for the freedom um, I was afforded on the show today. It, um, I was really looking forward to it, so yeah. thank you. Bless you. The Call Up Podcast, where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. The Power of His Dream brings you here, LIA Productions.